After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Welcome to Greater Good Radio Hawaii, where leaders inspire leaders. Greater Good Radio Hawaii is dedicated to social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Evan Leong, and with me is my co-host, Carrie Leong. Thank you, Evan. Today's guest is John Dean. He started off his career in Samoa as a Peace Corps volunteer and later became a legendary bank CEO and is currently a venture capitalist. In the 80s, he was sent into turnaround and save First Interstate Bank of Oklahoma, which at the time was the second largest bank failure in the country. In the 90s, he turned around Silicon Valley Bank and turned their market cap from $63 million to over $3 billion, and Forbes magazine named him one of the 50 most powerful dealmakers. He is the co-founder of the Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii and the Kipapa Lecture Series at the University of Hawaii. Please welcome to Greater Good TV, John Dean. Welcome to our show, John. Well, pleased to be here, Jerry. So, John, you're semi-retired, right? That's Could not you... what my wife says. <laughs> Tell us what you've been up to since you uh, left Silicon Valley Bank. Well, I stepped down as CEO from the bank, oh, probably about five years ago, and then stayed on as chairman for two more years, but got into private capital investing, so investing in technology startup companies in Silicon Valley, but also here in Hawaii, and then uh, got a little bit involved in the nonprofit, uh, one of them being uh, to co-found the Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii, and then about a year, year and a half ago, started a small venture fund uh, back in Silicon Valley, uh, which I'm now involved in. How did you make the transition from CEO to venture capitalist? <laughs> it was an interesting one. I think I made it based on my experience as CEO in different banks, if there's a tie. And uh, my wife would have said he'll never be able to do it. But having run several organizations, having been an operator, there was really a, an interest uh, by me to see what I could do in terms of helping uh, young entrepreneurs oh, in the Valley, but also here in Hawaii. So that got me involved. I started investing. And then before I knew it, I was uh, starting a venture fund to do more of it. And then how did you end up here in Hawaii? Uh, well, that's a, it's a longer story. <laughs> And I think I've mentioned to you earlier, but I was in Western Samoa, called Samoa Today, as a Peace Corps volunteer, and uh, met my wife, uh, Susan, who was also a volunteer, a teacher in Western Samoa. And so we've always had a love of uh, Polynesia, and uh, after uh, we married, and then uh, after several years of traveling around the mainland at different jobs, uh, we kept traveling or vacationing in Hawaii on the different islands. And about nine, ten years ago, we bought property in Waimanalo, and it's been almost two homes since then. What's the interest in Hawaii for you, though, besides loving the islands and 
deciding to invest in property here. Why are you also interested in the startup ventures here in Hawaii? Um, I think the interest, uh, Carrie, in the uh, startup uh, community here was trying to make a little bit of a difference, but it's also the background that I had in Silicon Valley. Uh, Silicon Valley Bank's the leading uh, commercial bank in the United States in terms of lending to uh, startup technology companies. Uh, typically venture capital backed. So with those contacts and familiarity, um, I had an interest first in Silicon Valley that spread to Hawaii in terms of getting involved in the growing uh, entrepreneurial community uh, on this island. In your opinion, what makes a great entrepreneur? Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> um, passion, passion, passion. Um, uh, almost a, a focus, a blind focus, and uh, a tenacity uh, that will not quit. Uh, I think that for most, there's exceptions to it. Uh, I think the great entrepreneurs over time are ones that have a, a commitment not just to the product or to the new market that they're trying to create. I think also there's a, a care, a commitment to the employees. And often I see a commitment to the community in terms of giving back. So those are some of my descriptors for a successful entrepreneur. Have you seen any differences in the entrepreneurs in Hawaii and the entrepreneurs in Silicon Valley area? Yeah, I want to get in trouble either way. <laughs> um, the entrepreneurs in Hawaii uh, are much, much more uh, committed to the community and uh, much more wanting to give back. And I'm not trying to be critical of Silicon Valley, but uh, just my experience, the Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii and then the Entrepreneurs Foundation in Silicon Valley, that there's just much more of a community spirit. And no matter how busy the entrepreneurs are, they all seem to want to make a difference uh, in the community. How does that actually make a difference, though? If you talk about business and, you know, as we look at it, sometimes business could be separate from the community. Some people say it's not. You know, what's your I'm opinion on that? <laughs> which is, I, I believe strongly, that the great companies are those that have not only uh, a business plan, but a, a, a core commitment to values, uh, whatever those values might be. And if you study the great companies, and you can, the book by Collins, Good to Great, um, and others like that, typically the great companies over time, doesn't mean you're going to be, just because you follow this, you'll be great, but on research done, those usually have a strong commitment to integrity, a strong commitment to their employees in terms of respect for all individuals, um, and often, most often, a commitment to the community. So that's what I believe makes are uh, some of the uh, elements that make for a great uh, company over time. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Howdy sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion. Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? 
Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. Greatergoodradio.com. You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. Today's guest is John Dean, former CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, who took their market cap from $63 million to over $3 billion. Forbes magazine named him as one of the 50 most powerful deal makers. In your opinion, what makes a great CEO? Okay. <laughs> um, boy, I should have that all planned out, and I don't. I think what makes a, uh, and I'm, uh, I'm going back to earlier. We talked about a passion and commitment for a entrepreneur. I think for a great CEO, uh, there has to be a, a focus and a passion and commitment. I think also though that um, for a great CEO, there has to be some commitment to core values within that corporation. And why I say that is that uh, the expression that we're all familiar with, if the king sneezes, the kingdom gets a cold. Uh, a great leader can't expect uh, people within his or her organization to do the right things if that CEO isn't doing the right things. Uh, a great leader has to work as hard as everyone else. A great leader has to set the tempo. So. For me, um, leadership is uh, by example, it's by listening, and it's doing the tough things. Uh, sometimes I, I like to think of our well, the different organizations. Someone said to me that uh, John's organizations are the most demanding organizations that that person ever worked for, but also the most caring. And I thought about that for a while, and I said, geez, that's nice. We're very, very demanding, but we care about our people. And so maybe there's that balance there, and at least for me that worked. And so uh, I would uh, offer it up as a possibility in terms of successful uh, CEOs. I'm wondering how you find that balance because I'm trying to think of how I would ask somebody to do something in a caring yet demanding and <laughs> effective way. So I'm wondering how do you really balance that? Yeah, a little different. And maybe I should uh, let me. Uh, by a, a caring institution. Um, I remember at school that we were taught business school that you know that you're supposed to leave your personal problems at home and not take them to work. And I would argue strongly that if your employees, um, if one of your employees' son uh, has been hit by a car, if uh, one of your employees' parents has Alzheimer's, if one of your employees comes to work and has just gotten noticed that their spouse is leaving them in a divorce, I don't care what you read in books, those problems go to the office. And that doesn't mean you uh, let that person do whatever they want to, but if you can at least understand the situation and try to work through that difficult situation, I think you'll be able to respect not only in appreciation of that individual from the entire organization. If that individual doesn't perform over time, I think there's an, uh, an obligation and responsibility to communicate that what the standards are and that those standards, requirements, accomplishments aren't being met. But once you've done that, I think it's unfair of an organization to keep that employee after because that employee eventually is not going to make it. So you need to work that uh, employee out of the organization, 
and try to help them to get where they can be successful. You could say that's pretty demanding. I think it's fair. But I think also we've surrounded that by an organization who still treats people with respect, truly cares. So that's how I mix the two together. It seemed to work. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Is the greatest part of your workday the leftover lasagna you packed for lunch? Is it quickly becoming apparent that you and everyone you know are smarter than your boss? Just how satisfying is it to wear an untucked shirt on Fridays? It's time you stopped filling a position and started being fulfilled with a job that excites you every day, not just payday. And now is the perfect time to demand more of the work week. The Honolulu Star Bulletin and Midweek Work with Monsters so you can live up to your potential right here. Your calling is calling. Find it at starclassifieds.monster.com. We're back with John Dean, former CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, who took their market cap from $63 million to over $3 billion. Forbes magazine named him as one of the 50 most powerful deal makers. When you initially were sent in to turn around these banks, the morale, I'm going to assume, was pretty low. Is that or, correct? Or lower. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so what do you do in that circumstance? What are the first things that you do? How do you strategize this? And what do you do in that situation? Uh, I'll give you, if I may give you an example, it'll go for a couple minutes. Um, in Oklahoma, at the time, the first national bank of Oklahoma City failed at, it was in 1986. It was the second largest bank failure at the time. First Interstate Bank acquired certain assets and liabilities, and it was my responsibility to go out and to turn the organization around. The, um, when I went out, we were uh, hemorrhaging uh, losses. Uh, the ratio used in banking is the efficiency ratio. Uh, what does it cost to make a dollar of revenue? So if it costs 85 cents to make a dollar of revenue, your ratio is 85 or 85%. So best run banks are in the 40s or 50s, poor run banks are in the 80s, some in the 90s. And so my ratio was 115. Yeah, so it was, besides that, we had massive layoffs before we got there. Um, most of the employees' retirement plan was in the company stock which had gone bankrupt, it failed, so they had lost their life savings. Uh, those that had remained, titles had been cut, and um, salaries cut, so they're demoralized. Jeez, there's a lot of things we did. Uh, mine was trying to spend the first two or three weeks just uh, trying to visit with every single employee at every level that I could, either in groups or one-on-one, -on -one, and listen, listen, listen. And um, I'll tell you a quick story. Uh, Bob Huffman was one of the offices of the bank, and what we did uh, early on was to put a group of employees together, officers of the bank, to come up with what do we want our core values to be? Uh, let's come together. And what do you want from this organization apart from just making money? And they came up with a commitment to the community and respect for all employees and uh, trust. Those were so key to them because they lost most of that. And Bob led the team that came up with our core values. Um, sad thing was that Bob, uh, about three months after this, uh, came down with ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease, 
terrible disease that would basically in two years he'd go from ability to, lost the ability to walk, lost the ability to talk, and eventually uh, took his life. Um, we adopted Bob in the bank, and if you would, could see employees coming together uh, for Bob Huffman, uh, I think he was the only officer of a bank in the United States for his company car. It was a van with a lift in the back for his wheelchair that we got him. You'd say, well, what's that got to do with profitability? And I'd tell you, maybe nothing. But in two years, we went from a failed institution to the most profitable bank in the state. And I'd argue our commitment to him, but to all employees, in the communication we can do it together, is what drove that turnaround. So that's my story. I'm sticking to it, Carrie. It sounds like building a relationship, whether it's a marriage, boyfriend and girlfriend, or a friendship, I mean, it all follows even in the employer and employee relationship as well. It's all about relationships. Is that what you're saying? I think so, yes. And I think 20, 30 years ago, we try to differentiate, you know, those relationships or those things stayed at home. I'd argue that not that you permit anything at the office, but to understand that people do have emotions and that those relationships of trust among employees in the reporting relationship, ethics, values, are critical to the success of a relationship at home, and they're critical to the long-term success of a company. Thanks for tuning in. Stay tuned for more on Greater Good Radio. After hundreds of interviews and thousands of hours of research, we're excited to share with you our first book, The Greater Good, Life Lessons from Hawaii's Leaders, with a special forward from Mayor Mufi Hanneman. The Greater Good is a collection of personal stories and quotes from over 70 of the leaders we've interviewed. The Greater Good will make you laugh, make you cry, and will inspire you to live a greater good life. Available at bookstores statewide and at greatergoodbooks.com. Staying cool on Hawaiian time. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. Neptunites. For bubble tea supplies in your home, at a party or business, contact Bubble Tea Supply at 948-2622 or online at bubbletea.com. Neptunites, the sunshine in your mouth. How do you sell his company to Akamai Technologies for $3 billion? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who donates 6% of sales to make more money? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. How do you get 100 stores and 100 million in sales in less than 10 years? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. Who raised $50,000 in a few weeks for the tsunami relief? Find out at greatergoodradio.com. And all while benefiting the community. GreaterGoodRadio.com You're listening to Greater Good Radio Hawaii. Please visit us online at GreaterGoodRadio.com. Today's guest is John Dean, former CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, who took their market cap from $63 million to over $3 billion. Forbes magazine named him as one of the 50 most powerful deal makers. Entrepreneurs Foundation, you know, you did mention that you wanted to involve the community, have a community philosophy involved in building a business. Could you share with us a little bit about Entrepreneurs Foundation? Because that originally started in Silicon Valley, correct? Yes, thanks for asking. Entrepreneurs Foundation, uh, the genius behind that is Gib Myers of uh, Mayfield, a venture capital firm. Uh, he has since retired. But uh, he wanted to make a difference. And uh, research that he had done, a lot of the startup companies in Silicon Valley 
really weren't uh, giving back. They weren't uh, spending time in the community. They, financially, they weren't doing as much as they should. Some studies said that 90, 95% of the employees of the startups weren't connected to the community. In the you know the responses, they don't have time. They're 24 by 7. So he came up with a very novel idea, which was to go to those companies, to the CEO, and to ask them to donate some of their stock, uh, $50,000, $100,000 worth of the shares at the last round of financing, and gift that uh, to the Entrepreneurs Foundation Silicon Valley. And then in return, the foundation would work programs for the employees, because these are small companies still, to allow them to do, at the holiday season, some sort of food drive, uh, the Christmas in April that has another name today, and so help them in getting involved in the community. Now, the value to the company, uh, twofold, is um, the gross-up. When there's a liquidity event, a sale of that company or an IPO, then for tax purposes, if you were that Silicon Valley company and had gifted 50,000 of your shares, Let's say it's the Evan and Carey Corporation and gifted 50000 Let's say the value of that at the liquidity event was $500,000. For tax purposes, you'd both get a $500,000 tax deduction. We have an IRS ruling. It's the gross-up of that $50,000. So a little bit of dilution. You've gotten a large impact from that. In addition, then, the Entrepreneurs Foundation um, at that liquidity event would gift back uh, to your organization, if it were an IPO, a half, not in terms of income to the company, but in the form of what's called a 501c3. So you'd have your own nonprofit organization that would seed you as you grew in assist you in getting more quickly involved in giving back to the community. Now, if you ended up not going IPO, but let's say just selling your shares um, or selling your company to a third party, then instead of us giving that half of that original gift to the acquiring institution, we uh, gift it to the community foundation, but to be run by the two of you. For, the, for here would be the benefit of the why. So um, I was a founding director, very much involved with GIVE, actually went into the uh, Entrepreneurs Foundation for six months in a turnaround situation, but then wanted to do that in Hawaii and have been very active. Uh, Leanne Miyasato is our executive director. Uh, we have some wonderful uh, companies uh, as part of that. Uh, Hoku, Dustin Shindo is a, co a company that went IPO, so you're familiar with that. Patrick Sullivan, Ohana. Uh, Easy Res, Tina Fetch, and it's just a whole, I wish I could go through a CIS guide, Kevin Sipneski, but a great group of companies, all who have contributed gifted stock to the Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii, which will someday, and hopefully uh, at a very large premium, be used for uh, helping uh, the community in the state. Is most of that purely... Um Charitable, or do they also get mentoring from your organization and so on? Um, um, the program is one of community and involvement in the community and the tax deduction I mentioned to you. But as a, uh, we might call it a benefit, maybe it's a detriment, but I, here in Hawaii, I get actively and try to get actively involved in working with the CEOs of the companies that are part of the Entrepreneurs Foundation. And it just, to the extent you can help, and um, every little bit helps. So I enjoy that. 
It's actually pretty interesting because you almost have a vested interest in helping them too because it's almost like an, an investment, right? Well, I've invested in some, so the answer is absolutely cool. <laughs> yes. But besides that, it's um, I'm in a good stage where I actually, uh, it's, it's fun to see young entrepreneurs successful. And it's even nicer when you see those entrepreneurs as committed in giving back to the community. So is this a good organization to join if you're a CEO or a leader of a business so that you can get involved in the community this way and you folks assist in guiding to get involved and build your business and the community involvement at the same time? Absolutely. Kind of, we're going to hire you. <laughs> but it's a wonderful, wonderful way to get involved in the community. And I think to the extent you do something like that, if you believe the organizations that have a commitment to community, to values, uh, to their employees. And what builds better uh, communication and trust among employees if they're working in the community together, whatever that project might be. So I just think there's uh, wonderful benefits. Uh, and to me, it's a win-win-win situation. Do you have a story that you can share with a business that's involved in Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii that you saw a great impact when they started working with you folks and you know they didn't have that community involvement to begin with but joining EF mm -hmm. they started incorporating this community value mm -hmm. and you know it helped them grow it changed the morale of the company can you share a story about mm -hmm. that it's tougher in Hawaii because what I said earlier if you recall most of the companies in, uh, in Hawaii are already committed to the community, so there's sort of a leg up on this is, I'm going to get in trouble if you, share, if you air this in Silicon Valley, right? <laughs> but they're, on average, uh, a little bit farther along in terms of that commitment to the community. Um, that story needs to be told in another three, four years in terms of that evolution. Probably the best example today uh, would be uh, Hoku. Uh, Dustin Shindo, and a uh, member of EF, Entrepreneurs Foundation of Hawaii, company recently went public, and Dustin just has a very large commitment uh, well before EF on his own in terms of the community and giving back. And I just see that growing and his involvement and his employees' uh, involvement growing as his company grows. Can you take me through the thought process of what you're thinking when you're coming here to Hawaii? you're not necessarily living here but you spend time here why are you actually spending time helping the community giving back and why are you doing that should I be guilty about this <laughs> just wondering, <laughs> no, just wondering. The, uh, it's, it's uh, what I do it's what I like it's uh, my passion still today and uh, uh, that old expression the, the more you give the more you get so uh, I love Hawaii I love the people of Hawaii and I've enjoyed getting involved, and uh, hopefully I've made some contributions, and I think I've gotten quite a bit back. You know, you're making contributions to these businesses and communities, and you're yet a father. So what are you telling your daughters, you know, in regards to getting involved in the community, um, whatever age they are? Mm -hmm. The, uh, my wife, uh, Sue, and I uh, have started a, well, we started a family foundation probably Ten years ago, Emmett uh, R. Quaidy Foundation after her father, and our daughters are involved with us. So it's really through the foundation we're trying uh, less to uh, force and more to encourage their participation. So they get to make um, 
grant requests. Uh, they come before the board, and we have a rotating board. They present, uh, but they need to do a bit of research in terms of not only gathering the information of the, you know, the 501c corporation and the financials and the purpose, but then to present why this is a good uh, uh, contribution for our foundation to make. The, uh, in terms of in the community, uh, they interestingly and uh, fortunately they are very much committed and involved. But it's been almost, I think, through example rather than by coaching or pushing at all. So uh, uh, one very much in the arts and loves the arts, and the other very much with animals as a recent uh, graduate of a veterinary school. Can you tell us a little bit about the Kipapa Lecture Series at UH and why it's important to you and how it adds value? Sure. Uh, the Kipapa Series at the University of Hawaii is a, a program uh, sponsored by the university and that I am involved and work very closely with in terms of bringing speakers uh, to Hawaii. A large focus of that has been on venture capitalists, uh, but also service providers to the technology sector, to entrepreneurs. Uh, Guy Kawasaki, probably one of the more famous entrepreneurs known here in Hawaii. And then other speakers, other entrepreneurs that have created great businesses and letting them share their stories, uh, their successes, um, what was important to them, what drove them, and then allowing that audience to really open up and ask questions. And so I think it's a, a great program. Uh, Vance Rowley, the Dean of the Business School, has been a, a, a wonderful supporter, and I've enjoyed working with him and others there. Thanks for joining us today on Greater Good Radio. For more information or a transcript of today's show, please visit us online at greatergoodradio.com. This is your host, Evan Leong and Carrie Leong, saying please join us next time for another episode of Greater Good Radio, Hawaii. <laughs>